Okay, so a question for you is, I feel like in the last few years, especially, this like, I feel like it started out as a meme opinion, but then it turned into like a very real criticism that a lot of people have for games that uh-huh. are story heavy. That people are like, yeah, if you can't always tell the story through the gameplay, then I it's not good. And like, I'm like, like people were like, yeah, I hate quick time events, which I do agree with, but they're like, yeah, I also hate cutscenes. Like cutscenes should not be in a game ever. And I'm like, yeah, I don't agree with that. I kind of like a cutscene. I kind of like a good like pause where I can like really see the story come out. And also like, it's yeah. just people act like if you only tell the story during gameplay, you can only tell it from like one angle. If you do a cutscene, it's like you can do a bunch of different camera angles. You can literally, it's like you're making a game and a movie. Yeah. Like people who act like that doesn't make a difference. It just, I don't understand that. Yeah, it's weird because, okay, like, even the games that accomplish that, which honestly, I think this stemmed from, like, Half-Life, which, great games, I love all those games, but that, right. there's there's no cutscenes in those games, but there basically is, because you'll, like, get caught in something. Yeah, there's, you can't move and people are talking to you. Yeah, so it's basically <laughs> a cutscene, just, like, lower uh, production value, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. So, like, you still, there needs to be points where there's like exposition yeah. and you know i think um i think there's good ways to like kind of seamlessly i think red dead 2 does this well as well to sort of like have the gameplay flow into a cutscene and then flow out of a cutscene very fluidly mm. um and i think that's a good way to do it but yeah i think yeah, it's great to tell stories through gameplay um and i yeah. think you're seeing more and more games that do a lot of storytelling with uh the way mechanics are handled like i've told you about like last of us 2 right and how, like, a lot of the themes of that game are accomplished through, like, how uh, brutal the gameplay feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, cutscenes are fine. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, it's I, necessary. My gripe is not, like, against telling stories through gameplay. Like, I, I still think... Right. I think in terms of, like, technically engaging, like, that does keep the player more engaged than uh, a cutscene but a cutscene can be cinematic it can show things in a way that you just could never by keeping the camera in the pov of the character yeah and like you just said with half-life like there are so many valve games especially like in in portal 2 as well where it's like okay i either can't move or i'm stuck in this room and the door doesn't open until these people are done talking to me yeah exactly that's that's not gameplay that's that is a cutscene but your camera is fixed yeah that's it's just a different way of doing it. And I think that's fine, too. I think that works for those yeah, games. I, but yeah. it's like, it's not better than a cutscene. It's just sort of a different way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with I'm that. I'm glad we agree so well. We should just start a fucking video game podcast, fucking honestly. fucking game industry. I feel like every time <laughs> we just bring up video games, and they're like, oh, I guess we have to. But you know what? The people want that variety. That's how we they hit do. that that's market. That's all our feedback that we've got. That's what everyone's been saying. Yeah, they all say it. Anyway, welcome back to Talkie Talk. This week, we watched a couple uh, horror flicks, kinda. I chose The Evil Dead from 1981. It is written and directed by Sam Raimi of Spider-Man 3 fame. The IMDb summary for this says, Five friends travel to a cabin in the woods where they unknowingly release flesh-possessing demons, aka a zombie movie. Uh, Tyler, what'd you pick? Nate, I'm glad you asked. I picked the 1955 film The Night of the Hunter, and IMDb summarizes it as 
A religious fanatic marries a gullible widow whose young children are reluctant to tell him where their real daddy hid the $10,000 <laughs> he'd stolen in a robbery. Now, this is taking place in the Dust Bowl, so $10,000 is real money back then when Huge. people didn't understand how money worked. They were just finding um, out. She should have gotten gold, straight gold. I think they yeah, call it gold at one point. And I was hoping for some like nice hefty bars in the doll. Yeah, yeah the daughter's been lifting. She's just... <laughs> um, so interesting factoid about this, I think I brought it up in the last one too, is that it's directed by Charles Lawton and it's his only movie he's ever made because at release it was it flopped critically and commercially and everyone was like, Man, this Charles Lawton guy doesn't really know what he's doing and so he never worked in show business again. Wow. It's not that bad. I even thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty so, good. So, Nate, which one do you want to talk about first? Um, let's talk about Evil Dead. So, okay. Quick little uh Tyler, why don't you do your fifteen second frenzy real quick? I think I will. Okay, so interesting factoid about this. As I watched this, I actually remembered that I had seen it before, so that's fun. <laughs> and then um Great. I thought it was pretty good. I thought I liked the first part a lot more than the second part. I thought the pacing kind of dragged a little bit and I was a little bored by the end. Okay. I mean, to be that's fair... That's all like, that's all negative sounding. Yeah, it all sounds <laughs> but, like you hated it. Yeah. Um, I had seen Casino Royale and I didn't know, so we evened it out with this episode. Tit for tat. Um, 15 seconds. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a movie that was just purely fun filmmaking. Uh, it seemed like they had a blast making it. Uh, I think it did some really cool stuff with practical effects and... Uh, even had some like experimental aspects to it that I thought were really fun. And 14 seconds, bro. Look at that. I guess, uh, do you want to start off? I just want to yeah, hear sure. why you hate this fucking movie so much. <laughs> so, why you think Sam of... Rami should never make another film again? I, I liked a lot of this movie in terms of like what was on screen. And I think most of my issues come with like just how it's set up and a lot of like the pacing. Um, cause. I I love any moment that involves practical effects, which is a lot of it. Um, but I often felt that like the scenes in which the violence was happening were just like they were really enjoyable for the first like half of it, and then the second half felt like it was three times as long as as the first half of the scene. Really? Yeah, I I thought. A lot of like, there were a lot of times where I just had to like be like, Jesus Christ, how long has this person been screaming for that? This is this has been like five minutes of this stuff going on, and I don't know. I think a lot of that also comes from the fact that I I've seen Evil Dead Two. Which have you seen Evil Dead and 2? Evil Dead One? Yes. No, have you I seen haven't. Evil Dead Two? I haven't. So Evil Dead Two is a weird movie because it is a sequel, but it's also a remake because it's okay. it's like a sequel in name, but really it's like. It's the same movie with like the same characters and acting like the first one never happened. So oh. it's really like it's a remake. Yeah. And it's like everything that this movie was, but like cranked up a notch with like a higher budget. So I mm. feel like once you see that, it's kind of hard to go back. But it's this one is funny because the second one, it, so it's part of a trilogy. And the trilogy is like if you line the movies up left to right chronologically it also makes a spectrum of like going from horror to like horror comedy mm. and the third one is like almost entirely comedy and then the first one is like kind of it's funny because it's funny at times like it's kind of slapstick but it's also like much more gruesome than the other two mm. which i really enjoyed about it like <laughs> as as silly as some of the effects might look 
uh, two scenes actually are the ones that reminded me that I had already seen this movie, and that was the uh, pencil getting stabbed into the ankle scene. Oh yeah, where I was like, Jesus Christ! Like this, it's it's funny because you can tell it's obviously fake, but it's like. Oh my god, like that's horrible. Yeah, it's so <laughs> nasty. Yeah. And they like leave the camera on it for so long with her just twisting the pencil in this person's like rubber ankle. Yeah. That it's honestly like if you can put yourself in the mindset that you stop caring so much about practical effects or like that it looks kind of like, ooh, it's not real, which come on. Come on. Yeah. If you can bring yourself to that level, which I think most people should be able to, I think it actually becomes like much more gruesome and you're like, oh, yeah. this is actually kind of like horrifying. Yeah. I absolutely loved, especially the parts at the end when everyone's melting, like any of the stop motion I thought was That was great. the best part, yeah. I, I loved that they did that because it's funny. They, they had like, I remember a long time ago, I looked up like the background of these movies and this had like no budget. They had like really? almost no money, yeah. And the stuff that they were able to do with like such a limited budget was really great, especially uh, the scene in which the bridge is broken and curls up like this evil hand. I thought it was fantastic. And they got the camera angle from behind the hand where they raise the camera up like between the figures, the fingers as the as Ash and that girl are arguing. Yeah, I thought that that might be my favorite shot in the whole thing. But anyway, I think I'm getting kind of specific and just jumping around a lot. But I basically love let's move on to the next movie. Yeah, I'm done. (laughs) I love the practical effects. I love how the movie kind of puts you into a mindset and kind of establishes its tone well enough that like you could say that like the acting is unconvincing or like the effects look fake. But if you say that, I feel like you're kind of missing the point. I agree with that a lot. Yeah. Real quick before I jump in, the budget was between 350,000 to 400,000, which isn't okay. That's actually not super low budget, but it's, you know, in terms of movies, that's not that much money. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with that, that it it really is a movie where you have to be like willing to suspend your disbelief, but I think is more rewarding once you do. And that's something interesting. I was actually watching, um, I rewatched house, uh, last week, but how many time I think this is like the fifth or sixth time. Um, still enjoyed it. Maybe even more than ever. That movie just never gets old. Yeah. And it's definitely one of the most rewatchable movies. Yeah. And that's there. another movie that I think once you just kind of turn that part of your brain off, that's like, or not turn it off, but once you just like kind of let yourself be carried by the uh, emotional thread of that movie, I think that movie is like crazy in terms of um, the way that it's like affects you emotionally and like yeah. the specific tone of it. Yeah, I, 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 I'm glad that you said like emotional thread because I feel like with this and that movie, obviously House, I feel like there's more to think about. Yeah, but it's it's not like you're turning your brain off. It's just like you're kind of like linking up with how the movie wants you to think. Like yeah, you're turning off maybe the more logical side of your brain. But when you do that, you feel like there is something there that that is still enjoyable, and that there's something to kind of see that you weren't seeing before in the way that you were thinking absolutely yeah and i very much very much feel that way with house where the first time i watched it i think just because like the the atmosphere we were into we were just like kind of like drinking and chilling and um i was like oh this is just super funny start to finish it is like there's some really funny parts for sure Mm -hmm. but the more i watched that movie the more i felt like the genuine unnerved feeling of like the unnerving feeling of it and the like the sorrow that's beneath it too and like i don't know there's just something really weird about how that movie makes me feel that i love 
But I watched the special features of that. There was like an interview with the director. And the budget from that movie was actually like pretty high, I think. Um, yeah. And he's talking about how uh, where he made it, they had this like incredible special effects uh, guy who like worked on um, King Kong. And he specifically said that he didn't want to use him because he wanted to do the effects himself and he wanted it to look fake because he wanted to set up a dynamic with the audience where the audience sort of knows what they're getting and can tell what techniques are being used. And it's sort of this like, I think the way he describes it is like sort of having this more like genuine connection with the audience where it's like, I'm not trying to fool you. I want you to see these cool techniques that I'm using. And I think people can appreciate it when they can tell like, this is definitely just a composite shot. And that's true. When you're watching that movie, you're like, that's so cool how they like put this together. Um, and you can really tell. So cool how they taught that ghost Kung Fu. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it can so seamlessly go from just ridiculous to like kind of weirdly heartbreaking, but in a way that you can't quite articulate. Yeah. But anyway, I think that links back <laughs> in where it's like, it's not, it's not trying to fool you, but if you kind of get on that same wavelength and you just take it for what it is and you're like, you know, this is a movie, so it's going to be fake. So let me just like try to put myself into it more instead of being like, mm. that looks so, I can tell that's not a real foot. Yeah, exactly. You know, just sort of let yourself be carried by it a little more. I think it becomes more enjoyable. So I definitely, I feel that way about this movie too, to bring a, a ramble full circle. An interesting thing I wanted to touch on is what you said about the pacing, because I felt the exact opposite way. Oh, really? I felt like this movie flew by. Really? In a good way. I was like, it was super moment to moment. I mean, they kind of skip over all the like boring stuff you would usually see in like a campy horror movie where it's like, oh, like we're getting there, like we're setting up and like, you know, we're talking and the night goes on. It's like they just skip to like the really creepy moments and like... It does get started quick. Yeah, yeah. It, it did. It, it almost did also have like a kind of surreal fevery dream feeling to it, especially the opening where it's like cutting between the car and like this racing through the forest. Mm -hmm. I feel like there was a lot of like speed behind it and there was always something new and cool happening. Um, That's funny. Yeah. I don't feel like necessarily the opposite, but I just feel like I, I it felt to me, like, it was, like, two hours long when it was, like, an hour and 25 or something. Yeah. Because I just feel like, I mean, I, I already said this, so I'm not really adding anything new by saying this, but I just feel like when you get to the scenes where the violence is rewarding, I feel like it's rewarding up to a point, and then I feel like it kind of just goes on for a long time. I feel like the second half of the movie is just, like, this endless stream of, like, it almost feels, like, episodic. Mm -hmm. In a way that it's just like these, it's just like strung together vignettes of like increasing violence, which is fine, but it doesn't, it's completely like, it, it feels very non-cohesive by the end. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I think that was probably intentional though. That's sort of what I meant too, about like the fever dream feeling where it is just sort of like, there's, they're supposedly just like in this like endless night, but it's like really all over the place. Yeah. And yeah, I like how he's like, it's about an hour till sunrise. And then like in, in that last hour, in that last hour is like 40 minutes of the movie. Yeah. And like he digs a grave. He kills like two more people. He sets <laughs> the book on fire. Like it's, it's like, yeah, but I didn't mind. I mean, I think that's just what it wanted to be, though. I think it was just let's make a crazy zombie movie and have a lot of fun with it, Um, which I mean, you know, if that's not what you are looking for, then that's. 
that that's that. But like I that's what I enjoyed about it was that I was just like, okay, I just want to see some zombies and some crazy shit happening. And yeah. uh, I was satisfied through all of it. Yeah, I suppose that for me, that charm was definitely there, especially because I had <laughs> I had watched the sequel and also this one before, I suppose. But I had gotten <laughs> pretty suppose. like engrossed in it. And I actually um, like did a lot of go- I think I watched it in high school and I did a lot of like Googling and Wikipediaing about like the background of it and stuff. So I I really, you know, I also have that charm of like, oh, this is you know, low budget, they're really just going for it. And they're, they were all, a lot of them were friends beforehand. That makes and sense. They were, and they were really enjoying themselves clearly. But that charm doesn't um, keep the my issues with the pacing from springing up. Like it doesn't entertain me through the scenes that I feel like drag on. That's fair. I mean, I, yeah, I think this is just a, a very subjective point. Yeah. You know, I think that's just like, that's what I was expecting and, and, uh, was sort of looking for with this movie. I think when I picked it, it was like just sort of a, an easy, fun movie. Um, it's still a 10 <laughs> for bringing hentai to the West. Of course. <laughs> of course. But I just have to say that it's, I have to be critical of it even if I love it. Right. You know, because if I'm just happy about a movie, then why watch it? Right. Dude, I remember when we watched The Lighthouse <laughs> and we came out of it. And I was like, yeah, dude, I really fucking love that movie. And you're like, uh, I don't know about this thing and this thing. And I was like, damn, this kid really fucking hates this movie. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I was thinking it was like, a, I was like, I'd give it like a nine. You're like, oh yeah. Like probably, probably like an eight and a half or a nine. But <laughs> I was like, wait. <laughs> I, I think especially walking out, I feel like I just focus more on the things that I didn't like about it because like this, it's almost like the stuff you liked about it don't, I don't know. They they still stick with me just as much, but I feel like it's less fun to talk about stuff that you agree on, unless you're talking about uh, Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker. Of course, yeah. Because <laughs> both destroy it. But I don't know. I just feel like I don't know. Yeah, I. I you're just a complainer. A little bit, yeah. I like to focus <laughs> on the things that I didn't like as much. It's more entertaining for me. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> but. I feel like when you both like something, the, a lot of the most of what you can say is like, I really like this part. Yeah, I really like how they did this. As opposed to when you don't like something, you say, yeah, I really didn't like this part. Yeah, I really didn't like how they did this. Yeah. And you're like, and you're like no, 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 but look at the, think about it like this. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. Dude, why well, discuss movies? I don't know. Movies why talk about them? Fucking suck. Why talk? Anyway. No, I find it more interesting to really dig at the things I liked and figure out why they were done well. <laughs> fucking hippie. You know? Cut your hair. I almost I almost like movies, I'll say that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I see where you're coming from. I don't think it's like a great film, you know? Mm. Um, but I think it was just a fun time. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think like if you're looking at this just like alongside, you know, other serious movies, I don't think it holds up that well. Yeah. But I had a lot of fun with it and um that's all I was really looking for from it, you know? Mm. So um I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to Mention. Oh, I really liked the idea of the forest being the monster in a way. The idea behind it of like, you know, there's no place to be saved because the place itself uh, is against you. I really liked that. And I thought it was yeah. sort of a, a really like low budget tactic that I think worked well when it was just like the cameraman running through the woods and like walking around the cabin. And you would see like there's this one part I really liked where the camera like goes through the windows and like looks at different scenes of the people 
and then like comes up to the yeah. window and the girl's like looking out trying to see what's out there but doesn't see like the camera because it's like an invisible presence you know i think like that's such a simple thing that takes like no extra budget to do that i think worked very well mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think where this shines the most is the techniques that they use yeah you can see definitely that that there are the makings of like a a, a director who knows what he's doing in this yeah. movie even though it's like low budget or something there's a lot of utilizations of different camera angles and just different movements of the camera that are clearly done by someone who not only knows what they're doing but is enjoying themselves doing it and kind yeah. of has somewhat at least planned it out and yeah that i really enjoyed i i thought that it felt very purposeful a lot of the time and like not only purposeful but it's annoying to see like i don't know if this really happens all the time with like directorial debuts but it's annoying to see like student films that are just like yes like make it black and white focus we're gonna do a lot of rack focuses on like inanimate objects i want to like i want to give it like a still life feeling but we're gonna juxtapose still life with real life so that people understand that like sometimes life can be still i hate that shit (laughs) <laughs> I like I like the camera's like moving so much in this even if it looks like kind of shaky like it just doesn't matter it's like it, yeah. it's it's embodying this tone that really serves the piece well this like kind of kooky but simultaneously like really disgusting mm. and and unsettling tone and I feel like they do it really well like especially in the scene you were just talking about like it it goes across the windows but then it just like the camera just smashes through the windows which is like so yeah silly but then like in the next scenes that she's getting her like head cut off so it's like (laughs) right yeah 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 there is a i I agree that is a great juxtaposition i think you bring up a good point too about like the student film thing and you know i mean i don't think that my uh I don't think any of us are going to make like excellent material our first time, you know, but I do think you're right that with some, with some of that stuff you see, it's like, it's more conceptual than practical. It's like they have these ideas, but it's not conveyed in a super interesting way. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think filmmaking is just more about that, like fucking hands on, you've got a camera, like what can you do with that? You know? Yeah. Simple story, simple premise, but like, can you make it interesting? Yeah, right. And there's just so much you can do with like the medium itself and just, you want to like get your hands dirty and not be too much in your head, I guess. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Speaking of which, you should, you should check out my very first student film, Scorn on Vimeo, where I point Vimeo. a camera at somebody sitting on a couch for two minutes. <laughs> the real YouTube. <laughs> but it, mine is good though. Right. Anyway. Yeah, um, everybody, everybody check out. All of the Evil Dead series, they're all good. I'm definitely going to check out the other ones. Oh, one other thing I want to to, uh, touch on is just, I thought visually they did a lot of good stuff. Again, that was like super, you know, not high budget, but just like the fog machines and the way that the like light of the (laughs) house would like illuminate the fog. They actually did this too in Night of the uh, Hunter. Yeah, Uh there's like a shot of the house outside. There's like fog and like the windows. It's like, oh shit. (laughs) But I like that a lot. And one thing I really liked that was so simple was just when like they were awakening the the demons for the first time and the mm-hmm. ground starts breaking <laughs> and there's that with, red light underneath. Yeah, the red light. Yeah, so cool. It just looks awesome. Yeah, that's that's the thing is like it only looks awesome because it's set up this tone where like you're not supposed to expect like perfect practical effects. Yeah, it's consistent. 
And yeah. I think that's what makes it possible to have that very willing suspension of disbelief is yeah. because like the rules of the world and the way it's presented are consistent. Yeah. Which, you know, it's, it's a lot better than let's say uh, I'll bring up it too. Did you ever see that movie? I never saw either of the it's dude. I didn't see the first one and I went with some people from Emerson and I, n- I hadn't seen it, but they're like, Oh, let's go see this. So I was like, okay, cool. I went into it thinking it'd be like, you know, 90 minute to a two hour movie. It's, it pushes like almost three hours. Really? And it's all terrible. And it ends with this ridiculously fake CG, like spider clown. Spoiler alert. I, yeah, that, I mean, there was an It series made before and I had seen some of that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That was also bad. But like, you go from stuff that looks like decent, like, you know, not anything interesting, but to a super fake CG thing. It's very yeah. jarring and really takes you out of it. But when everything looks the same amount of realism, it, it's a lot easier to to take it. Fun fact about it. So I actually did see like the ending of it chapter. I guess I think they call them chapters. Chapter one. Yeah. Because someone in my house was watching it when I got home. And fun fact about the the ending in the book of like because it's the book is also split into two parts. And in the end of the first part of the book, it ends with like. They're all they all kind of defeat the clown and then for for now because I guess he comes right. back and that's part two and then they all all these twelve year olds like run train on the one girl yeah I've heard about that <laughs> um that's just in the book right it's, I don't think that's in the movie yeah I, I mean that would be pretty bold to do in the movie I mean it would have <laughs> been truer to the source material would have been a little more artistic I think to show that no cuts but you know <laughs> yeah I've heard that like Stephen King. But that book especially just got really like coked out and just like kept everything. Yeah, yeah. So He's always a lot of that stuff from that period. He was super coked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the justification behind that would be. Uh, it's art. I'd love to. It pushes the boundaries. <laughs> I'd love to find out. <laughs> um, Stephen King will be on our podcast soon. I'm sure he's coming through. Sometimes you have to shock your audience and subvert expectations. I'm sick mm. of I'm sick of artists not including scenes of child trains just because they don't want to subvert expectations. Just because they don't want to go to prison. It's ridiculous. <laughs> take risks. Saying. You got to take risks in art. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm down to move on. But yeah, cool. uh, what would you give it for a score? I would give it a seven. That's fair. I would say I would give it like a seven and a half to an eight. Cool. Very much like for that genre, I guess. <laughs> like, yeah. And what I was looking for, I guess an eight, but probably in actuality, close to a seven. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I don't really feel super secure in my ratings of movies until I see them like a second time, unless it's yeah. a really, really good viewing. It'll change but, too. Yeah. I'm just like, but yeah. Anyway, seven and a half to an eight. Things will never be the same. Let's move on to Night of the Hunter. To a little, I'll, I'll start with mine. Okay. Uh, similar to what you were saying about Evil Dead, I feel like this movie dragged the fuck on. I wanted it to be done um, at a particular point, and then there's another like 40 minutes. But I think there's some really good, interesting stuff for the time, especially that I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Now you. Okay, hold on. Ready? Uh, I think. <laughs> Doing it again. I can already feel myself like thinking <laughs> for too long. Yeah. <laughs> I think. <laughs> um, okay. I think in terms of shot composition and just like set design, this movie is really, really fantastic. And then I think for in terms of plot and pacing, especially towards the end, I was like not feeling the things that I felt like it was trying to get me to feel. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think 
That's the thing. I, I felt like this movie was very much a movie where I would look at it and I could appreciate things like for the time and be like, oh, that's I didn't expect that to be happening in a movie from this time. But then there's other movies from even before. Um, there's this little obscure movie called Citizen Kane. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, a lot of people hate on it, but I think it's actually pretty good. Um, it's a classic. Yeah. <laughs> but that movie, I, I rewatched that second time recently. It just holds up and like is a great movie. Even if it came out now, it would just be super enjoyable and like actually, you know, accomplishes what it wants to emotionally, I feel like. And this, I felt like kind of didn't in the same way, you know, so it's hard sometimes when I watch movies from that time where it's some of them are just, they hold their own alongside some of the great movies of our time, but others are like, okay, this is like a fifties movie and you know, has some good stuff, but also just some really kind of iffy and eh stuff. It's funny. I think this movie almost gets worse as it goes on. Yeah, I agree. I think the first, like, even three quarters of it, I think are really great. Even though, like, in terms of acting or script, there's not too much that's interesting. But no, a lot of the shots are just so cool and, like, nightmarish. And yeah. I feel like it really, really nails that feeling almost lynchian Ooh. Um, feeling yeah very uh, uh, <laughs> very inspired by david lynch yeah in 1950 <laughs> um but but <laughs> i'd say like uh, nightmarish and kind of like folklorish even i mean it's a very yeah. like folkish story with like two children running from home and going like basically like through the woods right i sound like jordan peterson right now but then going back like home <laughs> kind of but but finding a new domestic home. sphere uh, here's what it is. Listen here, bud. <laughs> These kids, their mother, she's, she's, I'm not going to say she's a floozy, but she's very, uh, for the time, especially she's a promiscuous woman. And this man, who is he? A, is he a talker? And I, I, these are dangerous men you have to worry about. And listen here, bud, this is no joke. <laughs> anyway, but I really liked the first part of it and I enjoyed you know, I mean, I, I liked the setup of kind of like, especially because it's set up in the Dust Bowl, and you can imagine that these towns are sort of kind of like everybody knows everybody, but they're, you know, kind of easily fooled, especially because they're so religious. And it's it's not too hard to imagine that this preacher character can come in, and he's kind of suave, and, and kind of convince people. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Religious people are stupid. Dumb. Dumb. From Tyler. I don't say that. I wouldn't take that <laughs> stance. But that's what Tyler says. Listen here, bud. I'm going to tell you like this. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 just not too hard to believe, especially like with the setup that it's a dust bowl and the dad's not there. And then um, I think a lot, of, I really enjoyed like a lot of the lighting, a lot of the I agree, uh, yeah. effects I think were really cool. And the especially the scene when they're running from home, they hide out in that barn and he's he comes on the horse on the horizon and they do that. It's clearly edited heavily, but it's like it's done very well and very cleanly. And it looks like I think it's a puppet, it mm. seems like. And it's got this like s strange, like really uncanny look to it. And he's singing that song, that yeah. hymn. And it's just so unnerving. Yes, yeah, the shot of him, they're in, so they're in the barn. And then in the background, you see basically like the trail that he's on, like in the horizon, he's like silhouetted. Mm. 
Um, just to paint the picture right. for the for the listeners. I, I think it's puppetry because the way that his horse moves is like so just, it's just janky enough yeah. that it's like, it's almost right, but it's really ups, like upsetting and it's, it's yeah. so cool. I love shit like that. Yeah. Like the jankiness of like the puppet, if that's what it is, like sort of adds to the unnerving feel of it. Mm-hmm. The fact that it doesn't quite look real is what adds like it adds to the disturbing i feel like that whole yeah. thing that whole thing was interesting because when they arrive at that part with like the barn it's clearly like two cutouts but the way that it's like lit well i mean then they go into a barn scene but when they like first arrive there it's like two cutouts basically and yeah it almost gets like pit picture booky for a little bit mm. and that was cool that they sort of like once they went down the river they started entering this more sort of magical realism yep yeah part of it and I like that a lot. Yeah. A lot of the shots from that part, especially like any shot that they're moving down the river in the boat, I really enjoyed. Yeah. The one, especially with the bullfrog in the foreground, the reflection in the water. Dude, bullfrogs are fucking kings, dude. Bullfrogs, the, I mean, the symbolism runs deep there, and I won't get into it with like how bullfrogs were utilized in Dust Bowl society. It's not that long of a podcast. I don't want to really delve into that, but <laughs> he knew what he was doing. <laughs> also, bullfrogs are sick. Yeah. That's the real <laughs> symbolism. But- and it's funny because for a lot of the movie, I I had no problem looking past like the hokiness of the script being like the time that it was from and just kind of like how people were taught to act back then. Yeah. Especially because it's mostly an older cast. And I, I'm sure that I think that they had a lot of like old acting techniques from, you know, honestly, when like talkies, there it is, oh. kind of first started. It's like, okay, they're, they're a little hammy, but I don't really mind it because the tone is kind of bizarre anyway. And then it's funny, at the end, I was like, for the last, like, 15 minutes of this movie, I was like, am I watching the same movie? Mm-hmm. Like, I, especially the ending, I was just like, dude, she's, when the, the savior, basically, like, the heroine of the movie, like, looks straight at the camera on Christmas morning and is like, God bless the little children. I was like, dude, what yeah, is that part this? Was <laughs> I, was like, I like some of the ending, this? though. I kind of liked that character. Yeah. Like, being a foil to the evil preacher. And I thought, honestly, like for the time, not to get all gender politics on you, but I thought it was interesting to see. It was cool to see like a a very strong female lead, I guess, that, Mm -hmm. you know, I get like was pretty subversive at the time to have a scene where, you know, he's creeping in the house and she's got the gun and he jumps up and she just blasts him. You know, she doesn't like, oh, she just fucking blasts him as soon as he pops up. And so that was cool. I, I, I did like that character but yeah then like the way that they tried to bring it full circle at the end and like make it a weird like christmas theme like you're saying it just felt like very, okay yeah i, I wouldn't it, that felt like a executive being like yeah you need to let them know what it's about yeah i don't think i would say the last 15 minutes that was an exaggeration honestly just the last like five yeah i didn't get what they were doing with the whole like i feel like they also tried to make it come full circle with him like all of a sudden, he didn't like seeing the preacher get arrested in the same way that his dad got arrested. And then he suddenly gives up everything that they've been fighting for for the entire time, was keeping the money safe. Right. And then, like, all of a sudden, he just, like, kind of throws all that away. I understand that they were going for this, like, thematic reflection of the incident that threw them into this whole chaos anyway. But it's like, I didn't buy it, character-wise. Because this kid knows that this guy ruined their family and killed his mom. and. I, I was like, I just don't buy that he would have much sympathy for him. Yeah, that also confused me a little bit. Also, the child actors sucked. Yeah, they weren't that good. They were really terrible. 
Also, I just I was I just looked up the year that Twelve Angry Men came out, 1957. This movie came out in 1955. I mean, you compare the acting and like the script from this movie to that, and like, I mean, you know, this wasn't like early in talkies. Yeah. I've been doing this for you know like 15 years sure well i mean so, I, I was just trying to give I mean, them the benefit of the doubt with the yeah. old, the cast being older they were probably acting since like the 30s or 20s even yeah have you seen 12 angry men though dude we need to work out like a system where you get penalized for bringing up 12 angry dude, men because you haven't seen it and it's like very older actors doing naturalism and like the script is incredible uh yeah but i don't remember ever hearing about in either Night of the Hunter or Twelve Angry Men, never heard about a hentai scene. So that's gonna have to get these. Fair. We had to wait to the eighties for that. Twos. Both movies are twos. I was remembering Twelve Angry Men as coming out like in the sixties, but seeing it came out in nineteen fifty-seven, I'm gonna be less forgiving with this film now. Okay. <laughs> sure. I mean that is an exceptionally good movie, but still. Yeah, I mean I would not say that this script or acting is really the high point of this movie. Yeah. I think the the preacher was definitely a good actor, but I think he had mm. he didn't have much to, you know, work with in terms of the script. Yeah, it was just kind of passable. But I do feel like the visuals were exceptional Great. for the time. Yeah, I thought yeah. the visuals were, were they blended that kind of like German whateverism in very well. Expressionism. Is it expressionism? Yeah. German expressionism. Yeah, German impressionism. Expressionism. Yeah. With um Can you define that for the audience, um, Tyler? Yeah, a bunch of Germans got together between World War One and World War Two, and were like, hey, all of our money's meaningless, and we have to use it as firewood, but what if we put that money towards making movies? <laughs> and um, that's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's funny that I feel like there's not really too much to say about this movie besides just, I think most of the discussion lies in the visuals just because they're so good. I, I really think visually this movie is like, an eight and a half to a nine. Some of it. I mean, I can't think of any visuals that are distinctly bad. No, but there it wasn't like incredible throughout. Like there's some stuff that was just like, yeah, like, yeah, this is a shot. And there was some stuff that was like, oh, it's really sick. Like I liked all this stuff, especially at night. I feel like the lighting was used very well. And like yeah. we said, like the fog um to highlight the lighting uh was done very well. I especially like this scene early on where the preacher is like they're in the house. The kids are in the house, the, the first house. And they're like looking out the window and the preacher's there like whistling or like yeah, singing. Next to the streetlight. Yeah. It's fire. Yeah, it's just like so the good. fog. Yeah. And it, it's, it is good to see that like, yeah, the lighting and like the shadows were especially good. You could always see what was happening. Like there's no muddiness, which I think sometimes yeah. you see with black and white film, like the last good ones. There was like very much, you could like see each layer of the light and dark, uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but <laughs> we're here with you. Don't there's worry. like good contrast, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. There is there is no like bleed where it was like, uh, you know, the dark. You could just say you didn't form. like this movie. You don't have to stretch this hard to compliment <laughs> it. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I liked the dark and light. Yeah. <laughs> part of the frame. It's a very yin yang movie. It's a very zen movie <laughs> at the end of the day. I just want to watch 12 Angry Men now. <laughs> No, I, I think it uh, I think tonally I think it was really worked very well in a, in terms of a visual tone. Mm. And then I think I think for that's why I like the first part of the movie because the first part of the movie matches the visual tone very well. And, and then you get all these new characters that kind of get shoveled in, especially with like Ruby or whatever her name is. Yeah, 
Like, she's a very important kind of plot device, and she's kind of just shoved in to do the plot thing, and then it's kind of just like, ah, you get a brooch. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is, like, a whole cast of characters that comes in, like, the last 30 minutes. Yeah. I think that's part of maybe why it felt um, like it dragged for me. Yeah, I think that transition to that part of the movie doesn't really... It, it feels very discombobulated. This is kind of like, boom, you're here now. Yeah, I don't know. I was just fairly bored with it. Some of the visuals were good, but like, I don't know, I've said this before too, it's hard for me to stay engaged with the movie if it's like just visually cool. Mm. I kind of need something for that to uh, inform, I guess, or a story for that to combine with. Right. A lot of times if it like looks pretty good, but I don't care about the script or the acting or anything, I'm just kind of like, well, like what? what's really the point of, Yeah, I don't know, yeah, <laughs> you know I, what I mean? I, like, I don't, I wouldn't say I don't care about the script or the acting. I just find them like passable. And, yeah, it, and that's, that's, that's enough to keep me moving through the movie to enjoy the visuals, which I enjoyed a lot. That's definitely fair. That's definitely fair. At the end of the day, there's not too much to grab onto character wise, except for maybe like the older shotgun lady, because she's, she's the most interesting and like yeah. kind of the most fleshed out, even though she only was in yeah. the last like 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> Yeah, that was the only character that I really, like, drew an attachment to, I guess. Yeah. All right, anything else? No, not really. All right. I would give this, I think, a six and a half out of ten. I think I'd give it a seven and a half. Nice. Cool. All right, guys, so next week, we're going to do another little special um, movies that we've seen before and want to watch again, but the other person hasn't seen yet, and we'd like to show it to them special. I'm picking, can you guys guess? Put your votes in now. Twelve Angry Men. Incredible movie. Better than this one. I'll say I'll say that. Better than this movie. Um Everybody really liked that pick. And I'm very excited for Tyler to watch it. So every time I bring it up, he's like, Yeah, but but I bet it's not that good. Like you don't say that, but I can tell. Yeah, obviously. I mean I don't really respect your choice. Yeah. Often. I just don't get movies before two thousand three. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> what a year. For my pick. I've chosen a movie very near and dear to my heart. Nate, have you seen Spy Kids 2? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have. Actually. Obviously you have, so that's not the choice I, I don't made. know. I don't know. My choice instead, unless later in the week I really think of one that I absolutely love and then text Nate and say, please, have you not watched my movie yet? I want to change it to this one. For now, my choice is... An American Werewolf in London from, I think, 1983. Sick. Based on the song, Werewolves of London. Yes. Bum, 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 bum. 1981. Nice. Close enough. All right. I'm excited for you to watch 12 Angry Men. You haven't seen The Thing, right? No, I haven't. I'm totally down. I've been meaning to watch okay, that. Okay, cool. I switched my movie. That sucks because I love American Werewolf in London as well, but I switched my movie. Nate, for this week, <laughs> I choose <laughs> The Thing from uh, 1980 by, I think it's 1980, by um, John Carpenter starring Kurt Russell and the guy who has diabetes and an, a lumberjack. Cool. Yeah, I've been meaning cool. to watch that for a while, so it's I'm excited to watch fire. that. Also, soundtrack by Ennio Morricone. Oh, shit. Our which fucking is, boy. Which will not even, like, it won't even register with you until you see the credits. You'll be like, yeah. what the fuck? What? <laughs> Dude, he's so nasty. He's fucking sick. Love that guy. Anyway, we want to hear from you. Send us your, your requests for movies for us to watch. 
You should follow us on uh, your favorite streaming service if you haven't already. If you want to give us five-star ratings on iTunes, that really helps. Tell your friends, too, because nobody finds out about podcasts unless their friends tell them, basically. So, uh, you know, help us out. Help join the Talky Talk army. Help a brother out. And, um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Peace. Yeah.